0: Hello. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Diagnosing a Killer, the mental breakdown. Oh shit. The mental b- 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 breakdown <laughs> <laughs> breakdown. Haven't heard that in a while. My name is Kenna. I'm Coel. And Hi. <laughs> Hi. Good to see you again. How's it going, everybody? Yeah. <laughs> Warming the hell up down here. It's been a very harsh winter. Uh, I think the coldest it's gotten is like forty I think at it's night. to get like thirty-eight tonight or something. now. Oh, ooh, maybe we'll see some snow. Hopefully, probably. <laughs> we, well, not. not at thirty-eight. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, <laughs> it's dry enough though. Yeah. <laughs> Well, welcome back again to another Mental Breakdown. We're really excited that we've been able to bring these back to you guys. I know that a lot of people have been requesting them and been commenting on the fact that they really like them, so we're definitely going to try to get a couple of these out every once in a while. Like I said, just pepper them in there when we can. It's all rando. Exactly. And uh, if you guys have any suggestions on, like, anything you want us to talk about specifically, um, even if it's a true crime case, go ahead and send us an email. We're at Diagnosing a Killer everywhere except for Twitter, which is at Killer Diagnosis. Go ahead and uh, subscribe to the Patreon if you feel so inclined. Um, That's a minimum. I think it's like a minimum of a dollar a month that you can donate. And it gets us to be able to put out more content, have more free time on our hands, as well as um, getting stickers and maybe like pins and patches like we talked about with Rummage Raiders for the patrons. We're going to send those out. So go ahead and subscribe to that. Um, We also have a bunch of new sponsors that we've had in our links of our episodes we have about 10 people that we're affiliates with we have um you know essential oils we have things for pets uh we have like you know affiliates with that as well so if you look in our show links in our show notes and stuff there's links that you can click on and um that would be really helpful as well for us if maybe you don't want to donate to the patreon but you want to get a goodie for yourself and then help us out as well that would be appreciated i think we're just gonna hop on into this Diagnosis. Well, it's not really a, a one particular diagnosis like we did last time. I decided to go ahead and research common sleep disorders. Ooh. I know that we've talked about narcolepsy before in the past, so I didn't include that here. If you want to hear more about that, you can go listen to the narcolepsy episode. We break that one down. Um, This is just going to be, I think there's like eight um common sleep disorders, no particular order, Um, uh, just something that I thought was pretty interesting. So cool. We're just going to go on and get started. So the first one is insomnia. Mm. A lot of people know about insomnia. A lot of people experience insomnia. Um, It's defined as persistent problems falling asleep and or staying asleep. And while it's very common to experience symptoms of this, it does require a diagnosis to say that you have insomnia. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Otherwise, you would be experiencing symptoms of insomnia. Hmm. Um, So most cases of insomnia are related to poor sleep habits, depression, anxiety, lack of exercise, chronic illness, or even certain medications, which kind of makes sense. You know, some medications are stimulants, so they'll keep you up. So I know I said that it's super common, and I'm sure, like, pretty much everyone listening has either known someone that has insomnia or has experienced it themselves, but it's actually only reported that about 30 to 40% of adults in the U.S. have experienced insomnia at least once a year. Interesting. So it was a lower number than I thought. I thought it was going to be like up in the like the 80s, you know, yeah, 60s or 70s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but that is probably um, like medical insomnia and not like alcohol related or caffeine related or anything like that, right? Because you know? there's differences in the um, the types. Now, short-term insomnia may be caused by stress or changes in your schedule or the environment, and it usually lasts for a few days or even a week. Um, In order to be diagnosed with chronic insomnia, it has to occur for three or more nights a week, has to have be occurring for the last three months, and cannot be explained by another health problem or, you know, sup- supplement. It's also common for a doctor to ask someone, like, with suspected insomnia to keep, like, a sleep log of sorts to, mm-hmm. like, kind of see, like, when they wake up and when they go to sleep and all that good stuff. That's a good suggestion just, I think, for anybody that's maybe difficult. Like, for, you know what I mean? Like, the patterns. yeah. Just to like recognize a pattern because there's definitely been times where I've gone two to three days without really sleeping. Yeah, um, <laughs> extra super depressy time. But you know, um, but that's interesting if there's like a pattern and you do it over the course of a few months. Well, and then it's like if you fall asleep and then you wake up at. 2.30 and you pee or whatever. Okay, I woke up at 2.30 or whatever. Right. Or if you just woke up and rolled over and you, like, recognized it, right? Never mind. That sounds like a terrible idea. I would never do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just go back to bed. What would be cool, like, with today's technology is if you could have, like, a, like, on your phone, like, or something open and you just roll over and you just, like, touch it and then you just, like, if, like, if you remember... If yeah. you're cognizant enough, instead of having to, like, sit up and get a light and write down, well, some, some people have smart watches. That's true, yeah. It tells you when you, you know what? Hello. You know what? I'm like, I just created something. No, I didn't. Narcissist. <laughs> Nobody's better than me. Usually, most cases of insomnia can be cured by getting to the root cause of why a person cannot sleep and taking steps to prevent the cause rather than taking steps to sleep. Hmm. In more serious cases, such as chronic insomnia, complex treatments may be needed to relieve the disorder. The most common form of treatment for chronic insomnia is cognitive behavioral therapy and medications such as sedatives to manage the disorder. Which is interesting that um, medication can cause insomnia, but it can also treat insomnia (laughs) like different kinds. If someone is suffering from chronic insomnia, it's best to seek treatment because untreated insomnia can actually affect your memory and concentration- it can also increase your risk of high blood pressure, coronary heart disease, diabetes, and cancer. Whoa! Yeah, that's the major players there. And, oh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I should go get checked out. <laughs> uh, number two coming in at number two. Number two that little <laughs> dude. Your hot kung fu jizia. <laughs> oh my god! Does anyone remember that? Email us if you remember. That. <laughs> if you remember kung fu jizia, you're please the OG. <laughs> email us. <laughs> email us. And the number two is actually snoring. Oh, now snoring is not necessarily considered a diagnosable disorder, uh, but it is one of the most common things that people struggle with while sleeping. It affects actually up to forty percent of men and twenty percent of women on a regular basis. Now snoring gets worse when a person gets person. <laughs> Whoa! Now snoring gets worse when a person gets older or gains weight, and this can also lead to other health problems as well. These are not the only things that cause snoring, however. Other things can induce snoring, such as a late stage pregnancy, irregularly shaped bones in the face, swelling of the tonsils and adenoids, alcohol consumption, antihistamine or sleeping pill use, having an above average tongue size, and sicknesses like allergies or a cold. I can attest to the alcohol use because I never snore worse than Same. what I've been drinking earlier. Same. Than I-, <laughs> I always know when Kenna's wasted because I can hear her through the, win- or the window. <laughs> hear it's creeping the window. outside my wind. <laughs> through the window late at night. No, I hear it through the walls. And oh, we share a bathroom no. in between our rooms. I can hear you snoring when I pee in the yeah. middle of the night, yeah. But it's yeah. really it's usually quiet. No, thanks. No oh, thanks. It's a cute little <laughs> snore. <Yeah>. narcissist. <coughs> I have the best snore. I just my snore is just so cute. It's just the best. It's just tiny. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's at least four to seven other comments we could make about everything you just listed. I know. <laughs> the big... <laughs> average... Above average tongue size. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Terry Crews and in white <laughs> Call me. It's like, sorry, I got a big tongue. <laughs> <laughs> so, gross. so the biggest problem with snoring is not necessarily the act of snoring, but the way that it affects your sleep. Snoring can be a sign of sleep apnea, another sleeping disorder... And it can be disruptive to a person's significant other or anyone else in the room during the night. This can cause a domino effect on both people's lifestyle if it persists in keeping them from a good night's sleep. It can also lead into, you know, being restlessness and, you know, being lethargic and all that stuff during the day. If snoring becomes a chronic problem, there are steps that can be taken to prevent it from happening. A doctor can prescribe a dental device to keep your tongue from blocking your airway. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Losing weight can also positively affect sleep by reducing snoring. And in serious cases, some people may need surgery to correct a blockage in the airway that would cause the snoring to occur. Lastly, some easy steps to prevent snoring may help someone that is not at the chronic stage. These include using nasal strips, not drinking alcohol or taking a sedative before bedtime... who wants to do that (laughs) who wants to do that (laughs) maintaining a healthy weight and trying to sleep on your side instead of on your back Mm -hmm. and that's usually when i wake up when i wake myself up from snoring i'm on my back every time like same yeah same (laughs) i've noticed that as well number three obstructive sleep apnea so i just mentioned that in snoring so there are several types of sleep apnea but obstructive sleep apnea is the most common This type of apnea occurs when your throat muscles intermittently relax and block your airway during sleep, causing your body to lose oxygen for a minute, and usually results in the person waking up for a second or more without the knowledge that that ever happened. (laughs) It can be scary because you don't realize that you're... Well, you wake up gasping. Yes, but usually when you wake up gasping, it's not fully awake it's like a partial awake so your, you just go back to sleep right it's well yeah it's your brain going like okay breathe idiot Hello. <laughs> yeah. <Are you> still <laughs> shit anybody home yeah, yeah. this will occur over and over while the person is asleep and can become dangerous if the person loses too much oxygen results of this diagnosis are excessive tiredness awakening with a dry mouth or sore, sore throat morning headache difficulty concentrating during the day mood changes such as depression or irritability high blood pressure, and decreased libido, which I thought was interesting. Interesting. About 30 million people in the U.S. have been known to have been diagnosed with sleep apnea of some kind. Usually when a person makes an appointment with their doctor to discuss sleep apnea, they will be sent home, bear with me, with a nocturnal polysomnography device that will monitor their heart, lung and brain activity, breathing patterns, arm and leg movements, and blood oxygen levels during the night. That's a lot. It is. If the results of this test indicate abnormal activity, this usually means a person is affected by sleep apnea and they will take steps to treat it. Most commonly, someone with sleep apnea will be given a continuous positive airway pressure machine or a CPAP as it is more commonly known. With this machine, the air pressure is greater than that of the surrounding air and is just enough to keep a person's upper airway open, preventing snoring and apnea. Once a person is using a CPAP machine, they usually use it for the remainder of their life. Oh, wow. Because you can't really sleep well without it. (laughs) So, you know. Another option to treat apnea is an oral appliance. This is designed to keep your mouth open in order to allow better airflow. Although a CPAP machine is much more reliable than the mouth device. So the CPAP, like, forces air into your lungs, or, like, into your throat, so that... Yeah. forces, but is, like... I don't know. A little it bit keeps, more pressurized? Yeah, it keeps the airway open. So it attaches to your nose. It doesn't go... Usually, there's some that go over your whole face, and there's some that just go over your nose. But either way, it's a continuous flow of air, almost like oxygen in like the in hospital. Interesting. But it's pressurized so that it keeps the airway open to prevent your throat from closing. That, that's why you so wake up with a sore does, throat. even if it does... Even if it were to, like, be closed, it would still kind of force oxygen down there. Pretty so that, much. Interesting. It kind of, like, prevents it from closing yeah. in general, yeah. If none of these treatments work, a person may be suggested for surgery to prevent their sleep apnea, but this is generally only after a three-month trial with each treatment plan first, to make sure that that's the only option left. What kind of surgery would they have for that? This surgery includes a number of different procedures, depending on what the person's situation is, and can include tissue shrinkage, so like your throat tissue, jaw repositioning, implants, nerve simulation, and or a... Uh, tracheostomy or like creating a new airway passage it's like it would like literally like essentially carve out like a new trachea pairway, like passageway for air yeah. Oh. yeah doesn't sound fun that does not sound fun <laughs> at all but I mean you know gotta breathe yeah honestly <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather do that than not breathe gotta you know live <laughs> number four number four, four. <laughs> sleep related hypoventilation. Sleep-related hypoventilation. So the muscles that we use to breathe need to be told to do so by the brain, but when we sleep, there is less drive to do this from the brain as it should be automatic, right, when you sleep. People that have weak breathing muscles or lung disease may not be able to breathe strongly enough during sleep, causing them to not be able to get enough oxygen as they need. This is known as sleep-related hypoventilation, or SRH. This disorder usually occurs in children due to their bodies being smaller and not being able to work as strongly as an adult, Aww. and also in people with underlying medical problems usually having to do with the lungs. This disorder is prevalent in about 2 to 7% of U.S. individuals, so it's really uncommon. I like how I said this is common sleep disorders, and it's like, this is not common. I have. This is a common sleep disorder that affects only 2% of people. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Because of the lower oxygen levels during sleep for people with SRH, their levels of carbon dioxide increase, making it dangerous for their balance of chemicals in their body. Because they, I guess they can and only inhale so much, and then they exhale, but not all the way. So they're, like, oh kind of gosh. recycling the carbon Just dioxide. That, that's really interesting, yeah, because that can be toxic. <laughs> yeah. Um, in order to diagnose SRH, daytime diagnostic tests would be performed, such as lung function tests, assessment of respiratory muscle strength, measurement of daytime oxygen levels, and capillary blood gas tests. (laughs) Excuse me. Capillary blood gas tests. Yes. If these tests suggest that someone may be experiencing SRH, they will then perform a sleep study in which the person would stay overnight in a sleep unit. During this time, sensors are stuck on the person's body in order to record respiratory rate, heart rate, oxygen saturation, chest wall movement, airflow, measurement of carbon dioxide, and video and sound recording. I would be so uncomfortable. <laughs> I, like, <That's>, wouldn't sleep. <laughs> I always think that, too, whenever I, you see, like, people, like, oh, join, like, the sleep study or whatever. I'm like, that sounds miserable. Yeah. <laughs> and you're trying to see if I have insomnia. Like, no, I'm not going to sleep. I'm going to have insomnia. Yeah. <laughs> like, induced insomnia. Signs and symptoms of SRH may include morning headache, restless sleep, daytime tiredness, and difficulty concentrating at school, making it hard to diagnose in children, as all of these are common symptoms <laughs> for every child. I find it interesting that one of the common symptoms thus far of these disorders that you've already talked about is waking up with a headache. Yeah. So why do you think that is? Just because, like, your brain is, well, you know what? Because your brain's probably not getting the oxygen it needs. Probably. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I was thinking that, too, because, I mean, I wake up with a headache all the time. But but it's probably because of drinking. (laughs) For me, at least. I'm like, oh, shit. Another similar diagnosis is known as obesity-related hypoventilation, usually occurring in adults that have been diagnosed with sleep apnea. Treatment for hypoventilation in general uh, include ventilation machines that help a person breathe better, oxygen therapy, or even the same tube or the surgery to treat sleep apnea, the The tracheostomy. Tracheostomy. Um, Those are just in chronic cases, though. CPAP machines may also be given to patients with SRH. Bright Cellars is a monthly wine club that matches you to delicious wines tailored completely to your tastes. Take their personalized seven-question quiz and be paired with wines that you will love. You can even improve your matches by rating each wine. Bright Cellars offers a unique tasting experience, as each bottle also comes with tasting notes and pairing suggestions. It's like having a sommelier at home. Their expert wine concierge will customize your subscription to fit your lifestyle. Click the link in the show notes below and get $50 off your first order of six bottles just in time for Valentine's Day. Number five. Number five. Restless leg syndrome. Okay, tell me about restless leg leg syndrome. I really need to know. (laughs) I'm not going to tell you about that, but I'll tell you about restless leg syndrome. (laughs) It just seems to be, like, a common side effect for a lot of medications. It seems to be, like, everyone has it, right? It's just, right. like, a, a cop-out for being, like, jittery, right? But like, is that oh. what it is? No. Okay, because that's what I thought. I was, like, restless leg syndrome. Like, you ever get that feeling where you're laying down and you're, like, kick, kick, kick? No, I deadass think I have this. Like, I'm not even trying to be that person. Like, I really think I have this. After <laughs> and the, researching I'm the best it. at having restless leg syndrome. <laughs> I have the most restless legs. <laughs> People with restless leg syndrome most commonly have an uncomfortable feeling in their legs, which only goes away when the person shakes or moves their legs. The intenseness of this feeling can vary throughout the day, but for most people it is the worst during the late evening and throughout the night, causing their sleep to be disrupted most of the time. So it's like growing pains when you're laying down and you have to move because it'll help, you know what I mean? Like I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, it's similar. It's and like an OC. but I didn't know if that, that was the same thing because I was like, well, I was yeah. thinking restless leg syndrome as an it like like like, yes. like that like completely unconscious like no, it's definitely conscious. Yeah, so yeah. I, I thought it was like okay. So obviously y'all aren't here with us, so you can't see when she said like that. She was pointing to my leg that is bouncing as I'm sitting. Yeah. <laughs> she, that's what that's what she was saying, because no one else can see my leg. Right. But um, I thought it was, like, a neurological thing, like a, like a Parkinson's. Yeah. Not so, that it's a conscious thing. It is a conscious thing. And I thought that same thing. So, um, RLS is one of several disorders that can cause exhaustion and daytime sleepiness, strongly affecting one's mood, concentration, job and school performance, and even personal relationships. Because you have them in bed with your sister, with your sister- <laughs> And they're like, stop making your legs talk in the middle of the night. <laughs> It is estimated that up to 7 to 10% of the U.S. population suffers from restless leg syndrome, occurring in both men and women, although women are more likely than men to have this syndrome. Interesting. Individuals that are severely affected are middle-aged or older, and the symptoms typically get worse with age. Middle-aged. Right? I thought it was like... Teenage and older. But, you know, we're also not accounting for things like anxiety or, you know, anything else that might be neurological. Because, again, a lot of people might not know that they have it. Yeah, that's true. More than 80% of people with RLS also experience periodic limb movement of sleep, or PLMS. This is characterized by involuntary leg and sometimes arm twitching or jerking movements during sleep that typically occur every 15 to 40 seconds, sometimes throughout the night. That happens to me. I'll be laying in bed, and all of a sudden, like, I'll, my whole body, not my body, but, like, my leg or my arm will just twitch. It's not the equilibrium thing? No, it's I like, wouldn't. Oh, I'll okay. be awake. Completely awake. Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah, so no. So this um, is different, I guess, because this is during sleep. But... Yeah, John uh, has had clocked me with a few elbows back in his heyday. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> a few. And I was like, he hit me so hard once. I was like, there's no way that's not going to be a black guy. It was <laughs> so hard. Jeez. Yeah. Although many people with RLS also develop PLMS, most people with PLMS do not experience restless leg syndrome. Oh. Restless leg syndrome can be caused by a number of different things, such as end-stage renal disease, iron deficiency, certain medications, use of alcohol, nicotine, and caffeine, and pregnancy, especially in the later trimester, as well as nerve damage. Hmm. The five basic criteria for clinically diagnosing the disorder are a strong urge to move the legs that is often associated with abnormal or uncomfortable sensations, The urge to move the legs starts or or gets worse during rest or inactivity. The urge to move the legs is at least temporarily or partially relieved by movement. The urge to move the legs starts or is aggravated at night. And the above four features are not better explained by another medical condition. So it's pretty cut and dry. (laughs) It's like, does it relieve the uncomfortability when you shake your leg? Yes. Does it happen at night? Yes. Cool. (laughs) Then you, yeah. Iron supplements or medications are usually helpful in treating RLS, but there is no one medication that is typically prescribed for this disorder. Typical treatments include lifestyle changes with increased activity and decreased alcohol, nicotine, and caffeine, anti-seizure drugs, dopamine agents, benzodiazepines, and even opioids. Really? Very interesting, right? Well, I guess they're all kind of like downer. True. You know, downers. The so benzos. The benzos. Number six. Number six. Number six is bruxism. Bruxism. Never heard of it. You have. It involves the grinding of teeth during sleep. (laughs) It is considered a sleep-related movement disorder. What? Uh, It has a comorbidity with other sleep disorders as well, such as snoring and sleep apnea. I dated a guy who, at night, it sounded like a train was like coming through the room. It was so loud, it would wake me up. That's... Oh, that's gotta be. I know. It oh gosh, I was like, dude, how do you live like that? Ugh. Bruxism affects nearly 15 to 40% of children and only 8 to 10% of adults in the United States. Some cases of bruxism will not require treatment, but chronic cases may become frequent enough to lead to jaw disorders, headaches, damaged teeth, and other problems, so treatment is recommended for these cases. Most people that have bruxism don't even realize that they do until it starts to cause damage. So for someone that has a slight case, they may never even realize that they Mm. have it. Symptoms of this disorder include teeth grinding or clenching, mostly at night, teeth that are flattened, fractured, chipped, or loose, worn tooth enamel, increased tooth pain or sensitivity, tired or tight jaw muscles, or lock jaw, dull headaches started in the temples, damage of the cheeks, and sleep disruption. (laughs) I know. If chronic bruxism goes untreated, it can cause complications such as severe tooth damage, chronic headaches, severe facial or jaw pain, and disorders that occur in the joints located in front of the ears, which causes a clicking sound while chewing. When treatment is necessary, it can include things such as splints and mouth guards designed to keep teeth separate while sleeping, and dental corrections such as reshaping the teeth permanently. Oh, wow. Other treatments such as stress or anxiety management... Behavior change and biofeedback, which is changing the muscle activity in your jaw, can mm. help. Medications that can be prescribed but are not very effective for all cases of bruxism are muscle relaxants, Botox injections, and anxiety or stress medication. <laughs> the Botox, I wonder, just like in the muscle itself, I guess? Yeah, maybe to, to strengthen, strengthen it. Number seven. Number seven. This is sleep talking, sleep walking, and other automatic behaviors. Oh. Most common in children, sleep talking or walking is when a person is partially awake and their brain takes over without their knowledge to do things that they would normally do while they are awake. (laughs) Usually people grow out of sleepwalking as they reach adulthood, but it is seen in about 17% of children and only about 4% of adults. Sleep talking is seen in about half of children and only about 5% of adults. The interesting thing about sleepwalking is that there are not negative factors that cause it, It only occurs in very healthy people. So there's usually no treatment recommended for it. Interesting. Because there's no disorder, like the illness that comes along with it. Right. Usually, treatment is only suggested when the disorder lingers into adulthood and the episodes become potentially dangerous, like violence. Or, yeah, or if they're, like, or going like out to the pool or something, or, you know, yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean, you can't treat the person, you just put a latch on the back door. <laughs> yeah, exactly. High up or something. <laughs> Since sleepwalking is a side effect of multiple different medications, most common treatment is to eliminate meds and switch the one that's causing it. If this does not work, other treatment may include sleep hygiene, such as such as avoiding drugs, alcohol before bed, and sleep deprivation medications, such as antidepressants and benzos. Even in severe cases, cognitive behavioral therapy. Hmm. This is just for really severe cases. Sleep talking is rarely severe enough to require treatment, but consistent and severe sleep talking may be a sign of a more serious sleep disorder that would need treatment. In extremely rare cases, medication can be used to treat sleep talking. I guess it would only get you in trouble if you, like, admitted to cheating on your wife. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) During sleep. Number eight. Number eight. (sighs) This is going to be the last one that I have. Um, and again, these are in no particular order. It's just number eight. Rapid eye movement behavior disorder. Hmm. The period that a person experiences the best sleep is during their REM sleep, R-E-M, in which all of their muscles and limbs are usually completely relaxed and still. The difference in somebody that has, has REMBD is the fact that their muscles do not reach this relaxed state and this usually results in them acting out their dreams involving movement and lashing out. <gasps> this disorder occurs in about 0.5 to 1.25 of the general po- percent of the general population. Very rare, very rare it's actually more likely to happen in people with Parkinson's disease, multiple system atrophy, and dementia. Hmm. Um, it's also, it can be an indicator that someone will develop one of these diseases um, in the future. Interesting. Criteria of this disorder includes having repeated amounts of arousal during sleep where you talk, make noises, or perform complex motor behaviors such as punching, kicking, or running movements, often relating to the content of your dream. Also, recalling dreams associated with these movement or sounds, if you awaken during the episode alert and not confused or disoriented, and if your sleep disturbance is not caused by other illness or disorder. It is suggested that if you suffer from REMBD, that you should take the necessary steps to prevent injury, including patting the floor near the bed, (gasps) removing dangerous objects from the bedroom, such as weapons, and placing barriers on the side of the bed, as well as moving furniture and clutter away from the bed, protecting windows, and possibly even sleeping in a separate bedroom from your significant other until the symptoms are under control. Oh my gosh. Common medications that are used for treatment are melatonin and clonopin. Klonopin, interesting. Yeah. So those are the eight sleep disorders that wow. I wanted to discuss Of course, I have celebrities. Celebrities (laughs) as well. Gotta have celebrities. Well, it's interesting Interesting. because in the last Mental Breakdown that we did, you mentioned Madonna. And Madonna is also on my list. (laughs) For what? So, in an interview with Rolling Stone magazine, Madonna discussed how she has been plagued with decades-long insomnia, stating, Mm. quote, One of my assistants just found one of my journals from 1991. I'm complaining the same way about not being able to sleep in 1991 as I am right now. Like, some things never change. Yeah, it's sad, That's really interesting. Um, George Clooney. He has admitted on various occasions that he doesn't sleep well, suffering from insomnia as well. He states that his mind will race, and he'll have to turn on the TV, like, super loud to drown out his thoughts. That's me. I can't fall asleep without the TV on. I know, Otherwise, I'll just... My mind will race. It's the ADD, though. I know it is. I don't ADD. like darkness, and I don't like silence. You see? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga stated that she suffers from sleep deprivation. She was quoted by the UK's OK magazine, quote, My passion is so strong, I can't sleep. I haven't slept for three days. Number four is Rosie O'Donnell. Hmm. Rosie O'Donnell was diagnosed with sleep apnea in 2007. She opened up about her diagnosis on The View during an interview, where she shared that she has over 200 micro awakenings a night and once stopped breathing for 40 seconds. What during the sleep? Yeah, like study that they did on her before she was diagnosed. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that wild? That's so scary. I had sleep apnea when I was pregnant. It was terrifying. really it, yeah, it's really, really terrifying. Fun, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's why, you know, pr- similar to the way that it presents in people that are heavier, or people that have gained weight, mm-hmm. um, especially over a shorter amount of time, uh, when I would lay on my back, baby would be, like, pushed into you. Yeah. And it would just stop. Like, you would just stop breathing. <laughs> Jesus. In the middle of the night. <laughs> it <laughs> was scary. And Justin would have to push me and push me over. He would be like, roll over, because <laughs> you can't <laughs> <Do> breathe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Number five is Shaquille O'Neal. He was featured in a sleep apnea video in 2015 by the Division of Sleep Medicine at the Harvard Med School to bring awareness. In the video, he explains how important it is to find a CPAP machine that fits you correctly so yes. that it works. Oh, wow. What a great bit of work for him to do, too. Yeah. Because right? he's such a big guy. You wouldn't really think about that, exactly. right? Exactly. Um, number six is Reggie White. I didn't know who he was. Famous NFL Hall of Famer. He was a part-time minister, WWE wrestler, and twice named NFL Defensive Player of the Year. In 2004, he was at home when he unfortunately suffered a fatal cardiac arrest compounded by complications of sleep apnea. Wow. And he was 43. So number seven is Florence Welch, the lead singer from Florence and the Machine. Um, she spoke about her childhood sleep terror saying, quote, I hate it when I'm tired or stressed or overtired. My body just keeps me on overdrive. I'm just dreaming loads. I can't quite sleep in a dark room by myself because I'm always imagining something creeping in the dark corner or looking through the window. So that's like a, I didn't put that in my list, but that's like a sleep terror kind Swear of disorder. Him. And last but not least, we have a Jennifer Aniston. I love jen Ann. Me too. Jennifer Aniston is an apparent sleepwalker. Ooh. She once discussed how when she was married to Brad Pitt, quote, I sleepwalk. I set off our alarm once. I was outside and I was out by the pool equipment in the back. I don't know what I was doing. I heard this yelling because he's terrified. He hears the alarm and I'm not there. <laughs> like, that like, is oh. so scary. Yeah. So that's my mental breakdown. I just wanted Yay. to pepper in some celebrities. Some pepper it in. I always like peppering things in. Yes, but, yeah. of course. Yeah. But yeah, we hope you guys are liking these and excited that we brought these back. Um, We're definitely going to keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. I have the whole DSM-5, so we can just go through. We can do (laughs) an endless amount of content in there. Uh, Yeah, join us next week when we bring another case. Uh, Please continue to download. We've reached um, like 10,200 downloads by now, Mm -hmm. which is exciting. Um, Comment on our Instagram. Message us. Like. Hang out with us if you want to um, give us a shout via email or anything like that. We, we love to hear from you guys, and we want you to keep doing that. So that is all I have. Anything else? I'm just really burpy. Oh, no. All no. right. All right. Love, love you. you. Bye. bye. Looking for a perfect gift for that special someone? Canvas Prince has a wide variety of items that can be personalized just for you with simply sending in a photo. Whether you're looking for a personalized pillow or a meaningful photo collage, Canvas Prints offers artist quality at affordable prices. With easy-to-use design tools and state-of-the-art printing capabilities, they help you create masterpieces that will last a lifetime without breaking the budget. You make the memories, Canvas Prints will help you keep them. Click the link in the show notes below for free shipping on orders of $49 or more between now and February 5th.